So as we are already into the teaching of some of the deep biblical truths on compromise, today I want to continue to see what happens when God's children compromise with the world from the life from you know in their lives and we are going to see that today from the life of a king by name Jehoshaphat so most of us you know uh, some of us at least know about this king a old testament king which who can be never for, uh, forgotten and this morning i pray that god would speak to us from his life so it's all written in the book of second chronicles chapter 17 to 20 there are four chapters. I don't think we'll be able to go through all four chapters today. So let's let's uh, turn our attention to some of the biblical truths as we see in the Word of God from Second Chronicles, chapter 17 to chapter 20. So we are going to talk about a king by name Jehoshaphat. The life of Jehoshaphat is a good example of a believer who would like to live godly you know many times you know we are very careful in our living on this earth not to allow sin to get hold of us in our lives we are reading from second chronicles 17 so many times we are very extra careful to make sure that we will not fall into sins you know that's a true nature or the quality of a believer or a child of God when everything is going on well in our lives suddenly in one area of our life without our knowledge we compromise with the pattern of this world and by doing so we bring disgrace to the Lord so we are talk- going to talk about four different areas from the life of King Jehoshaphat. So I don't think we'll be able to cover all four today, but let's let's get started this morning. So without much introduction, I would like to you know quickly get on to today's sermon. So as I said, I want you to follow me closely. You know, whenever we try to do something with the Old Testament books, especially in the book of Chronicles, it's not that easy. It doesn't go smoothly. Now there are so much of history built into these books. So I just want you to you know, follow me as close as possible. So those who are here this morning, just repeat these words after me. I'm here at the church. Are, are we here? I'm here at the church. Listening God's word. And I'm willing to obey. Okay, let's do it again. I'm here at the church. Listening God's word. I'm willing to obey. Okay, good. So after the death of Solomon, King Solomon, the kingdom was divided into two. Israel in the northern side and Judah in the southern part. And Judah consisted only two tribes, the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. Now King Asa was the third king of Judah. He ruled the kingdom for 41 long years. And Asa's son was Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat became the fourth king of the kingdom of Judah. 
So we are talking about King Jehoshaphat, son of Azam. Uh, he was ruling the kingdom of Judah from 873 BC to 843 BC. In overall sense, Jehoshaphat was a godly king who followed the examples of King David. He sought God Almighty and he obeyed all his commandments. He removed all the pagan things from the land. He removed the idols from the land. He removed the altars of other gods and goddesses from the land of Judah. And he also set up a program in the land of Judah. You know what he did? He identified leaders from his cabinets and he sent out those leaders to go and conduct Bible study everywhere in his land. So in the kingdom of Judah, there were Bible study, Bible teaching going on everywhere in his nations. He was such a godly king. And he was totally relying on God. He gained many victories over his enemies. And all through his life, he was relying totally on God. And he took victory over Moabites. He took victory over Ammonites. He even took victory over Meunites. So he gained victory over many kingdoms. They were all around in the around Judah. And he also conducted fasting prayers in his nation. And he made people to pray. He encouraged people to fast and pray with praise and petitions throughout his nation. And God heard King Jehoshaphat's prayer and he defeated all Judah's enemies even at times even before they got into battle he found that their enemies were defeated you know at times God used this man of God in a mighty way to bring victory over into his kingdom now despite his many victories and many good things that he had many good qualities and God given natures in his life Jehoshaphat did a few mistakes in his life. The first mistake he did, he formed an alliance with Ahab, the evil king of Israel, the other kingdom. He formed alliance with Ahab and he was, he was trying to go away from God. You know how that happened? He allowed his son to be married to the daughter of Ahab. And if you know about Ahab and Jezebel, and their daughter was Athalia, and Athalia was married to the son of Jehoshaphat, and his name was Jehoram. So Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat, was married to the daughter of King Ahab. So he got into an ungodly alliance with an ungodly king. And the second time, he made another alliance with another king by name Agaziah and he got into shipbuilding venture with that king. So except these two or three times in his life, you know, the rest of his days were, uh, you know, con- totally given, committed to God and he was living a godly life on this earth. And as I said, we are going to spend some time on chapter 17, 18, 19 and 20. Chapter 17, word of God talks about Jehoshaphat's success as he was seeking God Almighty. And chapter 18 talks about his ungodly alliance that he had with King Ahab. And chapter 19 talks about 
Jehoshaphat was rebuked by one of the prophets for the mistake that he made in his life. And the moment he had the rebuke, he came back to the Lord. And you know what he did? He, did, he appointed judges all through his nation. And he told the judges, you need to judge people faithfully with the fear of God. And you know, there were fear of God everywhere in the nation because he appointed godly judges and godly teachers who can teach the word of God throughout his nation. And chapter 20 talks about the kind of prayer and fasting he, he did. And he also set up people who can praise God, who can sing, who can be part of the choir, who can part of the, be part of the worship team. And he set them up in the battle. He set them up in the front of the battle. So that you know, even before the battle started, there was a worship service going on in the battle. And when the worship service was going on in the battle, you know, God sent destruction among their, his enemies. And even before the battle started, where the worship service is going on in Jehoshaphat's army, the enemies were totally destroyed because they started fighting among themselves. They were just falling apart and they couldn't you know come for war with this man of God. He was such a man of God and God used him in the land of Judah in a mighty way. So let's get on to chapter 17. Chapter 17 talks so many good things about King Jehoshaphat. Chapter 17 verse 3 says Jehoshaphat was ruling the kingdom of Judah in a godly way. He walked in the ways of his forefathers like David. And he was not seeking Baal. He was seeking God Almighty like David did. And verse 4 says he sought the God of his fathers. And he walked in the commandment of God. And the Lord God established him in the nation. And God even brought, you know, some of the people coming to him and always presenting certain things to him. So he was growing in his riches. You know, riches and honor was given to his uh, you know, godly king, King Jehoshaphat. And verse 6 says, he took delight in the ways of God. And word of God says he removed all the high places. And he removed all the idols. And he removed all the wooden images from the land of Judah. He was just cleaning up the land. You know he was making sure. You know the land seeks God. And fear of God is found everywhere. And as I said he sent his leaders into the cities of Judah. Who can teach the word of God. And verse 10 says. As word of God says. Fear of God came upon the land. Everywhere people are talking about God Almighty. Everywhere you know, Bible study is going on. Worship service is going on. People are being judged faithfully in a godly way. So it was a godly nation ruled by a godly king. Verse 11 to 12 word of God says. Even some of the Philistines and Arabs. They brought presents to Jehoshaphat. You know normally people who are considered as enemies of you know, any king. They all brought presents to give to Jehoshaphat. Because God's favor was upon this man. Jehoshaphat has become so powerful. And so mighty he built fortresses. And storage places in Judah. Verse 13 says. He had even men of war. And mighty men of valor. They were in Jerusalem. Now I was trying to you know, list them out in the word of God says from verse 14 to 19 from chapter 17 of 2nd Chronicles. Jehoshaphat he had second level officers in his army. 
and he called them as captains and look at the look at the mighty figures you know mighty men of god uh, men of valor with uh, these captains they were leaders with thousands and thousands of mighty men word of god says adna one such captain he had 300000 mighty men with him and next to him was Jehohanan. Jehohanan had 200,000 men of war. And next to him was Amaziah. Amaziah had 200,000 men of, you know, men in his army. And Amaziah was willingly follow the Lord. They were all following God. Godly king and godly cabinet, godly officials and people were godly. The whole land was seeking after God. And next to him was Elida. He had 200,000 men with him. And another man called Jehoshaphat. And he had 180,000 people with him. So Jehoshaphat, in total he had more than a million men of war in his army. At ready, ready at any time to go and war with uh, the enemies. God blessed this man of God in everything as he was established in the kingdom of Judah. Second Kings 8 verse 18 says, Second Kings 8 18, Jehoshaphat married his son Jehoram to the daughter of Ahab. You know, this ungodly alliance Jehoshaphat had with the wicked king Ahab brought sin into his household. Word of God says, Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, walked in the ways of Ahab. Son of Jehoshaphat. As he was married to the daughter of Ahab, son of Jehoshaphat, he was he would have been brought as a godly son. And now, because of his marriage, because of this alliance, word of God says, Jehoshaphat's son, Jehoram, he, waters, he started walking in ungodly ways, in the ways of King Ahab. As chapter 18 starts, let's read one or two verses from chapter 18, 2 Chronicles. Chapter 18 verse 1 says, Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance. And by marriage he allied himself with Ahab. Verse 2 says, after some years he went down to visit Ahab in Samaria and Ahab killed sheep and oxen in abundance for him and the people who were with him and persuaded him to go up with him to Ramat Gilead. Jehoshaphat got into an ungodly alliance with King Ahab through the marriage of his son. Few years later, Jehoshaphat visiting King Ahab and Ahab extended hospitality to King Jehoshaphat by killing the sheep and oxen. And Ahab invited or Ahab persuaded King Jehoshaphat to go and war with him. To go war against Ramat Gilead. And Jehoshaphat agreed Think about this man of God, who was such a man of God, but now he is sitting in front of Ahab, and as Ahab persuaded him, followed up with him, Jehoshaphat agreed to go in war with King Ahab. And Ahab invited 400 prophets. I'm talking about verse, I'm just going through, uh, giving an outline of chapter 18. Ahab invited 400 prophets of Baal to inquire. That whether he can go to war or not. 
And Jehoshaphat, as a man of God, sitting there and watching all these things going on in the land, he asked King Ahab, Is there a prophet of the Lord in your land? And Ahab said, Yes, there is a prophet by name Micaiah, the son of Imla. But I don't want to call him because every time I call prophet Micaiah, he comes and he always prophesies against me. I don't want to call this man. But then I'm sure Jehoshaphat would have, you know, persisted to call the prophet of God. So finally Micaiah was called there. And Micaiah came there and he saw a vision. He said, Israel is scattered on the mountain as sheep with no shepherd. Whereas 400 prophets of Baal told Agab, yes, you can go for the war and God is about to give the land in your hands. But now when Micaiah came, Micaiah saw a dream and he saw the children of Israel were just like sheep without shepherd. And in effect, he was trying to tell that if you go for that war, you will be killed. You will not live for more. You will be killed. So king, so, you know, when this is going on, there was another prophet by name Zedekiah. And that prophet came and he slapped Micaiah in his cheek. Because he said, Ahab is going to die in the war. When all this are going on, obviously King Ahab is angry with Micaiah and he said Micaiah, Micaiah to be thrown into the prison. And Micaiah was thrown into the prison. Now King of Israel, Ahab and King of Judah, Jehoshaphat, an ungodly king and a godly man, they decided to go together in war against Ramat Gilead. And then they went for the war and as Agab knew that he is a he may be killed because of the prophecy of Micaiah he did a trick he said I will hide myself and Jehoshaphat you are a king of Judah you just be on your royal robe and you just sit there I will hide myself you know the, the wicked king Ahab put Jehoshaphat on the spot so that he can get killed and the people of Ramat Gilead, they came for war and they all surrounded because they had an instruction from their king saying that do not worry about the people. Just go and get hold of the king of Israel. And they came over there. They all surrounded Jehoshaphat thinking that Jehoshaphat is the king of Israel. And at that point of time, Jehoshaphat cried out to God, Lord, save me. I made a mistake in my life. And you know what? God saved him even at that moment. God sent destruction among those people and they left him. They realized he is not the real king. But while all this were going on, you know, someone shoot an arrow and that arrow hit King Ahab and by end of the day, King Ahab died. You know, this is a kind of summary of chapter 18. So God helped Jehoshaphat to escape from the battle. So, you know, if you look a look, look little closely to what's going on there, when everything was going on in the life of King Jehoshaphat, he made an ungodly alliance with King Ahab by marrying his son to his daughter. Ahab, or King Jehoshaphat, compromised in the marriage relationship. And that led him to another compromise. 
as he was sitting in front of King Ahab, you know, he was forced to get into a social compromise with King Ahab and with his company. And eventually Jehoshaphat ended up compromising in spiritual relationship with King Ahab because he was sitting and he was surrounded by 400 prophets of Baal. He was brought into an ungodly situation. And eventually he compromised in his business relationship as he ventured with another king, another ungodly king into a shipbuilding business. You know when a man of God decided to leave godly, we try to keep away from sins in our lives. But you know that time enemy is trying to make compromise with the world. So there are four compromises that's going on in the life of Jehoshaphat. Let's talk about number one compromise in his life. He compromised in his marriage relationship. He compromised in his marriage relationship. The number one compromise Jehoshaphat made was the compromise in marriage relationship. Just want to talk, spend a little time talking about this today before we close. Second Chronicles, as we read, chapter 18 verse 1 says, Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance, and by marriage he allied himself with Ahab. And as we read from 2 Kings 8.18, word of God says, And he, he refers to Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, walked in the way of the kings of Israel, just as the house of Ahab had done. For the daughter of Ahab was his wife and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Such a wicked king, King Ahab and Jezebel. You know who, Jezebel if you remember one point of time she was even trying to kill the prophet Elijah. She was such a wicked king. Uh, he was such a wicked king in combination with Jezebel. And their daughter, Thalia, obviously she was so wicked and she became the daughter-in-law of the godly man, Jehoshaphat. Ahab and Jezebel's daughter, Thalia, was married by Jehoram. You know, Jehoshaphat was a very godly man. There is no doubt about it. We cannot see many kings you know, establishing Bible teachings on their land. He was such a man of God. But he was compromising. You know, he compromised in marriage relationships. I was thinking about the reasons why Jehoshaphat wanted to marry the daughter of King Ahab. There are many girls probably in the land of Judah. He could have married someone for his son. But then why he wanted to marry... Ahab's daughter. Now I believe maybe the social status. Like he, he was a king and he wanted to marry someone who is equal in social status or above. Probably he thought Ahab may be equivalent to him or above more than him. He thought probably you know he can marry the daughter of Ahab for his son to maintain his social status. You know, as a man of God, Jehoshaphat knew that he cannot compromise in marriage. He knew that after his days, his son will come in power. And when he comes in power, he wants to come, a godly man, to come on the throne. You know, that's effort he is taking in his kingdom. You know, today when God, 
you know appoints us in godly kingdom with the responsibility as parents we are responsible to leave a godly generation before we leave from the face of this earth and i'm sure this man of god he had such a responsibility in his life to make sure a godly generation a godly kingdom once he has gone from the throne but why this man of god he went into an ungodly alliance with king ahab he knew that after his days his son will become in a command throne and he needs a godly wife to guide him in the right direction still i couldn't understand why he had to make such a compromise in his life today many christian parents they do this mistake you know when they especially look for girl you know look for a girl for their boys they put forth certain conditions you know they before they make sure whether the girl or the boy is spiritual or he or she is a child of god there are many other things you know come on top of the list they say that you know he must be of as the same or a higher caste you know there are countries where he uh, caste systems we make sure that when you marry you just make sure you know he is of the same caste or the higher caste nobody worries about whether he is a child of god or he is not a child of god social status of the family we inquire about the family what family they belong to and then decide whether to marry that girl we don't worry about the, her godly nature or his godly nature whether he is a son of god or a daughter of god we don't worry about it which family he belongs to or she belongs to in some countries even they talk about dowry how much money she can bring to my home you know we think about all those things when we want to get into you know marriage relationship with some family good looking good education and good job all this become essential you know more than whether the child is godly or he is able to or she is following god ahab i'm sure jehoshaphat got into one of these traps in his life you know bible clearly says that it is a sin for a believer to enter a marriage with an unbeliever you may ask me you know we all done with it we already got married or we all already got our children married what do we do about it still it's a word of god still it's a word of god it's worth spending some time few moments before we close second corinthians let's quickly go to second corinthians chapter 6 verse 14 second corinthians chapter 6 verse 14 says do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness second corinthians 6 verse 14 we are talking about compromising in marriage relationship first corinthians 7:39 we read another scripture those who are trying to note it down first corinthians 7 39 word of god talks about something else here first corinthians 739 a wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives but if her husband dies she's at liberty to be married to whom she wishes but with a condition only in the lord niv says but he must belong to the lord he must belong to the lord with the condition in a today most often we see christian girls who are saved and anointed falling in love with a non christian boys you know if we ask her she may say that i prayed about it 
and I believe it is God's will, I'm at perfect peace. He may also, she may also say he's a very gentle man, very brilliant, handsome, he has great skills, loving and caring, not having an evil friendship. You know, but only there is a little problem. I don't think he believes in Jesus Christ. I don't think he has faith in Jesus Christ. Or even at times, you know, everything seems to be good. But at times he is little addicted to drugs. And this girl, as a child of God, she wants to marry him. And she may say, I believe that he is a perfect match for me. I will marry him and turn him to Christ. Or I will help him out to come out of his addiction. Probably if I drop him, who is going to witness him? Who is going to tell Christ to him? Or who is going to marry him? Probably. You know, it is amazing to see how Christians, Christian parents, we rationalize our disobedience or even Christian girls and boys, they rationalize their disobedience to the word of God. And we dare to enter into an ungodly relationship. That's going to give us heartache and headache throughout our entire life. Now, there are many families out there. You may be able to number them, name them. It's never God's will for a believer to marry unbeliever. It is never God's will to marry a believer to marry an unbeliever. God is telling us, just leave that and go. I will take care of him. I will take care of you. God doesn't want us to compromise in our marriage relationships. Now, sometimes you may have questions. I am already married to an unbeliever. What do I do now? Now I'm also sharing this because there are maybe people listening to this message from the internet. I have questions, I'm already married. Now what do I do about it? What do I do about it? The answer is, do not leave him. Just be with him. Do not leave her. Just be with her. Continue to live with him or continue to live with her. The only condition Bible talks about divorce is on the basis of sexual immorality. The only condition the word of God talks about divorce is on the basis of sexual immorality. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5 verse 32. Matthew chapter 5 verse 32. Word of God says, but I say to you, Matthew chapter 5 verse 32. I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Now God allows only reason for divorce in the word of God is sexual immorality. No other reason. Once we are married to an ungodly man or woman. Matthew 19 verse 9. There is another scripture. Matthew 19 verse 9 word of God says and I say to you whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery once we are married to an unbeliever once somebody is married to an unbeliever we can't leave her husband or wife because he or she is an unbeliever God wants us 
especially the wives to submit themselves even the husband is an unbelieving husband that's what the word of God says let's read those scriptures first Peter 3 1 first Peter 3 1 word of God says first Peter 3 1 wives likewise be submissive to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word they without a word may be worn by the conduct of their wives you know wives are certainly challenged even if your husband is unbelieving even if your husband is not a believer he doesn't have believe in the word of God still word of God tells to the wives to be submissive and you can still win the soul how can you win the soul maybe you can win the soul by the conduct of their wives you try to be good with him you try to be good with him and it says do not you know you need to obey even if some do not obey the word of God still you need to be submissive still you need to be submissive you know the typical situation that comes in a family such a family is if the husband is unbelieving if the wife is believing husband will invite the wife to take part in some of the ungodly things now the question is should I go or not the word of God says you need to be submissive even if you end up in a situation where you may have to listen to him but do it so that you know by your good conduct you will still save that soul you will still save the soul first Corinthians 7 12 to 15 word of God talks about this in more detail first Corinthians 12 there are a lot of scriptures this morning first Corinthians chapter 7 verses 12 to 15 what of God says 1 Corinthians 7 12 but to the rest I not the Lord say this is a counsel of Paul that's why he puts it as I not the Lord a man who is anointed a man who has gone through such a great experience he is talking about he says if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she's willing to live with him let him not divorce her and a woman who has a husband who does not believe in the Lord if he is willing to live with her let her not divorce him for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband otherwise your children would be unclean but now they are holy you know what the word of God says even if your husband is not believing even if your husband continues to live in sin you are a godly woman you are called a time such as this you need to continue to pray you need to continue to live holy because of your holiness your husband is sanctified that that doesn't mean that you know he can go to heaven because of husband wife is living holy it doesn't mean that it means you continue to pray and he is not very far he is within me I can save him he will be saved very soon do not worry about it and he also say Paul also writes saying that otherwise your children would be unclean you continue to remind in your holiness you continue to pray for your husband you continue to pray for your children so that your family will still remain in holiness in your family will continue to remain in holiness you know, God is asking God is very particular about the family ties God is very particular about the family unity God expects husband and wife to be together so that they can do something in God's kingdom you know sometimes your question may be 
I obeyed God. I obeyed the word of God. I rejected even some of the ungodly proposals and married to a man or a woman who is a believer. But now I am disappointed because my marriage is shattered. You know, my, I thought he is a believer. He was a believer, that's true. But now I married, I obeyed the word of God. Now what do you say about that? I married a godly man, but now my family is shattered. What do we do? What do you say about it? Yes, you obeyed the word of God. That's good. God is your witness. You obeyed. You listened to the word of God. And you are responsible for your soul. And you are guilt free. Certainly because you obeyed the word of God. And now, since you obeyed the word of God, now you have every right to claim that soul who is ungodly. You have every right to pray for your husband and God will bring him back. And you also, we also need to think about the reason why after marriage the husband or wife went away from God. We need to try to sit and understand. There is somewhere you compromised to ungodly things. Ungodliness came into your family. That's the reason today he has gone away from God. So probably at this situation we need to come back together and repent to God. And ask God to build your family back in the Christian foundation you know God doesn't want us to compromise Jehoshaphat compromising with Ahab in marriage relationship with him and that led him into an another compromise that's called social compromise and we are going to talk about that in the coming week and this morning what do we get out of it I'm sure God is concerned about our family God is concerned about our children God is com- concerned about the future generation God doesn't want to be our families to be given to an ungodly God doesn't want our children to be taken and to be given to an ungodly family ungodly ties God is very particular he was very particular in the life of Jehoshaphat that his son has to come up in his place and once he leaves the throne so he has to be brought up in a godly way that was the responsibility of Jehoshaphat even though he was a godly man he left from that responsibility and he was not caring about his children he was not caring about his son and in fact he took his son and he put him in a wrong place that he couldn't continue on the throne in a godly way and this morning Let God speak to every one of us. Let's close our eyes.